pray, Lord, you bless your word. May it be heard, but not just heard, may it be heeded. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I heard of a pastor who was going to sell a horse. Going to sell a horse to his neighbor, but in training that horse that the pastor had, he gave it two commands. The first command was praise the Lord, he would go. The second command was amen, he would get it to stop. His neighbor really wanted the horse, but the pastor was a little reluctant because he had trained it so well to say praise the Lord, it would just go and say amen, it would stop. But this man had been working with horses for years and years, and he said to the preacher, Hey, preacher, I know you got your little cliches and your little spiritual language you give to the horse, but you know what? I've been working with horses forever. I can break this horse. So the preacher said, Okay, if you really want this horse, I'll sell it to you. And he said, Well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me try it out. Let me, let me get on it and ride it. And he got on it, and the horse wouldn't go, and the horse wouldn't go, and the horse wouldn't go. And under his breath, the preacher said, Praise the Lord. And the horse went. And it just, I mean, it was like a shot. It just went. The, the sad thing, it was going towards a cliff. And the, the, his neighbor said, stop. Whoa. He pulled on it. He did everything he could, he could do. He stopped horse, stop horse, stop horse. And finally he said, amen. And right before it got to the cliff, the horse stopped. And he was so glad. He said, praise the Lord. Oh, how important our words are. <laughs> how important our words are. Here we have, of course, the, the biblical account. And I don't like to use the word story because that kind of talks about things that don't really, didn't really happen. The biblical account here of Moses, of course, and the children of Israel after they had led, God had led them, of course, out of Egypt. We know they've been there in slavery for over 400 years. Can you imagine? This people that was a small group of people when Joseph and, and his brothers went there many, many years ago. Now they were in Egypt for over 400 years and they were in slavery. I saw the, I saw the, the end of their slavery when I, was over, when, I, when I was in the product of their slavery when I was over in Egypt and the things that were done, some of them. And believe it or not, the guide that, we had, that I had that was teaching us about Egypt she praised Moses and was thankful for Moses and all that was going on. Now, she didn't really talk about God a whole lot, but she did talk about Moses a whole lot, and I was kind of surprised about that. But we know what God did there. It wasn't just Moses who was doing it. It was the God of Moses, right? It was impossible for Moses himself to go. He was that one who stumbled, 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 stumbled with his speech. Remember? As he was there at the burning bush after being there 40 years there in Egypt and 40 years there tending sheep and God came to speak to him in that burning bush and he gave excuse after excuse after excuse why he really didn't really 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 didn't want to go and go back to Egypt because he was not he was not prepared he was not he was not eloquent of speech and I love what God says to him you know who, who made the mouth <laughs> he who made the mouth can give you the ability to speak and God used Moses through those horrible but yet glorious plagues to deliver his people out of bondage in Egypt. Of course, they left, and that was just the beginning of their, their sorrows. They did just leave, and everything was great. They had to cross a Red Sea. And old Pharaoh, I'm sure from hearing all types of complaints from his people, 
I don't know if it's like the Cecil B. DeMille version, whether his wife said something to him. Who knows? But he was upset and angry and frustrated, and he decided he was going to destroy those Israelites who'd done so much damage, taking the life of the firstborn and their God. He was, going to, he was determined to destroy them. He was determined to, to drive them into the Red Sea to defeat all of those. How dare these Hebrews come into our land and make a mockery of us? And so that's what he did. He was driving them. But God was on the side of the Israelites, wasn't he? You know what, dear friend, God and you make a majority. No matter who's against you, no matter what trouble you go through, no matter what difficulty you might find yourself in, you and God make a majority. You choose to get on God's side. You're always on the right side. The Israelites were on God's side at this point. And God went before them and he opened up that Red Sea. And they went on not muddy ground, dry ground. They went through the Red Sea, and as soon as they were out, these not just a few people, nearly two to three million people went to the other side. And when Pharaoh chased after, God closed down the waters and crushed them, destroyed Pharaoh and his armies. And so what did they do when they got done with this? They complained about the problems of the past, and they say, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. We had so much trouble in our days in Israel, in Egypt, excuse me, no, we know what they begin to do. They begin to sing. You know, that's a good pattern in life, you know. When God delivers us from trouble and trial and problems of life, we can choose to look back at our problems and say, woe is me, or we can look up and say, praise be to God. It's a choice that each one of us has. These folks were redeemed. They could say, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been redeemed. We've been redeemed. There was two parts in this redemption. First, there's a ransom, which is the payment of the price. And the redemption is the deliverance of a person for whom the Lord, whom the Lord, of course, ultimately paid the price on the cross of Calvary. This morning, I want to look at eight elements of this song that we see here. In Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Eight elements of the redeeming, Redeemer song. First of all, we see the producer of the singing. Look back at verse 1. It says, then, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song. Someone had, it to, someone had to start the song. Someone had to begin the thing. I can't think of a better person than Moses. Well, it was Moses, as we mentioned, who was there in the burning bush. It was Moses there had learned the lessons. He'd, he'd, heard, he'd heard the stories and been in Egypt for 40 years. He knew the people, but then he began to lead the people. And it was Moses that God used to speak to the, the, the Egyptians about the, the terrible plagues that were come. So he was the one who said, we have to sing. We have to lift up our voice to God because of what he's done for us. As I looked at these different uh, variations of the word sing, sing is used 119 times in our King James Bible. Psalm 7, verse 17, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. The word song is used 78 times in Psalm 69, verse 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. 
and sang. Sang is used 12 times. It's used in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. If you remember Paul and Silas, they go to Philippi. And as they were there, they were greeted by a woman named Lydia, seller of purple. And they, were get, they get welcomed into her house. Seller of purple had to be pretty rich, had to be well-to-do. They leave her house, and not, not very long after this, this demon-possessed woman begins to mock them and laugh at them and talk, talk evil about them. And God used Paul to command that demon or demons out of that woman. But the, the people that were prospering because of this uh, demon-filled woman didn't like it very much. When you touch somebody's money, people get mad. You, you know that pretty much, don't you? And so they said, hey, these folks here, they're doing something evil. They're casting out demons. They're, they're hurting our pocketbook. They're hurting our purse. We must imprison them. Of course, that's exactly what they did. The Bible says that they beat Paul and Silas, and they put them, him, them in prison. Now, you think when they're put in prison, they'd be singing gloom, despair, and agony on me. Well, that's what most of us would be singing. But instead of that, they started singing, Amazing Grace House. Well, I don't think that's actually a song, but something like that. Instead of pouting about their problems, they began praising God. And there was a Philippian jailer there. And about the time they're singing, God does something miraculous. He causes an earthquake. And the doors were open and the prisoners are fleeing. That one Philippian jailer thought to himself, my life is over. I'm going to take my life. And it was in the darkness. But Paul looked out and saw what the Philippian jailer was about to do. He said, don't, hey, don't do that. Don't take your life. We're here. We're here. And the man cried, how, how can I be saved then? And Paul said those wonderful words, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And he went to that man's house, and his house, he was saved. And, his man's, and the man's house was saved. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Oh, dear friend, if they were pouting, that Philippian jailer would probably be in hell right now. But you know what? The Philippian jailer, I'm sure, had heard of many a sad song being a, being a jailer, but he had probably never heard a praise song unto God. Our praise makes a difference. You go in tomorrow morning talking about how bad things are with Biden. Everybody's talking about that. You go in here talking about the price of gas. Or, or GRU, or some other something, about how that balloon, you know, was over the United States for so long and should have been shot down probably in California instead of off the coast of Carolina. You go in and talk about how bad things are, how sad things are. Everybody's talking about that silly stuff, but you get up in the warm morning and you start singing, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. They're going to look at you like you're something crazy. Maybe you're something different. Or you're not just somebody who comes every once in a while and invites them to a revival. You're not just somebody who puts the Bible on their desk. You actually are different. One of the things my first pastor said to us, he said, he said young men, don't be dumb, be different. Oh, that we were different. 
Oh, that we weren't just every, every Monday morning or every Tuesday morning talking about the, the prices and the problems and the politics of life. Those are always going to be an issue in life. What if we got up and started praising God? Just thinking about what God has done for you. Hasn't he done something for you? Hasn't he saved you from your, your sin? Hasn't he had you here in church instead of the hospital or jail this morning? Oh, everyone in this room looks like you had a good meal in the last 24 hours. Uh, some of you had some this morning. We're all doing good. You got food in your refrigerator. Most of you have jobs. God has blessed your life. God has blessed your life. The producer of the singing was Moses. He started out. Sometimes you might have to be that producer in your family. The person who says, you know what, honey, I'm gonna, instead of pouting about the fact that we don't have the money to pay the bill, let's sing and praise God. You might have to be that person in, your, in, in that group of yours, that family, that, that cell, that, 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 that workplace who says, you know what, instead of focusing on how this ain't, we, we can't make this happen, let's sing. Let's sing. It's easy to sigh and sing songs of sorrow, isn't it? But let us turn our our song up towards God. The producer of the singing is definitely the prompting of the singing. What caused the prompting? The Bible says in, in verse, verse 1, then, then, because of what happened in the past. The Bible says in Psalm 40, verse 2, he had, put a, he, he had brought up, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. He had put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Dear friend, if you're saved today, you're not going to hell. You're not going to hell. You think about the, just the, the horrors of hell. My high school was bad. I, I didn't like school. I was like Brother Danny Westow. I didn't like high school. And when God called me to university, I fought it, fought it, fought it. And when God called me to get a master's degree, I fought that too. I didn't like school, but I knew there was an end. There's no end to hell. There's no end to hell. Today, we ought to get on our hands and knees and praise God that we can't go to hell because of what Jesus has done for us. Joy is the spontaneous overflowing of a heart centered upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul in prison wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. When you're in a bad circumstance, what do you tend to do? Sigh? Blame? Point fingers? Why not sing? You say, preacher, I can't sing. Well, folks, just get in the shower and sing. Nobody going to hear you there. Shut the door. Let nobody know. Get in that car. <laughs> Turn the music up and sing. Nobody can hear you there. One of the things I love to do is get on my old Harley Davidson and drive down the road and just sing. Ask God to help me. And then sing. Sing to God. Do you sing? Do you sing? I'll tell you why sometimes we don't sing. Because singing is the overflow of our life. It's what spills out of the cup. Sometimes we, never, we, don't, get, we don't spend time with God like we ought to in the morning. So when we have problems of life and troubles in life, we're dry. We're dry. 
And, that's, that, and because we're dry, we have bitterness and envy and strife and anger and, and frustrations because we're, 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 we're trying to minister, we're trying to help others out of a dry cup, but the overflow of a, of a cup that's full is singing and praising and testifying of what God has done. Oh, we'll try that, dear friend. Get filled up in the morning. Get your Bible out, start reading or start listening to it and get filled. Start listening to some good gospel music in the morning. Get filled and then go into work and let the, the praise of your lip, lips be the overflow of your life. Be the overflow of your life. Psalm 50 verse 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. To him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Thirdly, there's a profession in singing. Profession of singing. I love what it says there in verse 2. The Lord is my strength. <laughs> oh, you could say the Lord is my strength too. It's a personal thing. The Lord is my strength in the song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. I love the personal pronouns. It's personal with him. The re a relationship we have with God is a personal thing. What I was so sad about seeing over there in, in Israel is all these folk, folks who had such rich history in God, but their relationship was ritual. It was all ritual. It was wearing the right clothes, the black hat, the black, black coat, the black shirt, the white, the white shirt, the, the black pants, the black shoes. It was all ritual. But you know what? That can happen in a Baptist church too. We can come to church because we just got to come to church. Some of you on staff is somewhere. You got You got to come to church. You got to do this. I was. I've been on staff somewhere, somewhere, and sometimes I have to check my, myself. Am I doing this because I have to do this, or doing this because I want to do this? Why are you here this morning? You're here because you're afraid you're going to get a phone call from a preacher or, for, or from someone else if you don't show up. Or are you here because you want to be here? Because it's personal to you. I want to come to church. I want to know God more. I need him. I can't survive without him. Without, without him, I can do nothing. He's my God. He's my strength. Oh, dear friend, just fall on your face a couple times and you get up and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this anymore. That's what God in his mercy comes out, sometimes allows us to do, to fall straight on our face in failure. Or to get sick and realize you don't have the power to get up. Second week into my trip to Israel, I got sick. I mean, I got sick where I didn't even want to go. I mean, I really, I really wanted, really, really wanted to go to this. But it wasn't just me. About half the folks, about 20 of us got sick. And the guy, Brother Brad, said, you got a choice. You stay here or go. But that day I was supposed to preach <laughs> on top of Nazareth. And I said to myself, Lord, I don't feel like going, but I got to go. And I was walking up the hill and I said, Lord, I can't do this. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to give me the strength to do this. And he did. God gave me the strength to make it to that day. Oftentimes we say, Lord, I want strength for that day and that day. No, dear friend, just ask God for strength today. I need strength today. 
He can, he can take care of tomorrow, but I need him today. Well, the profession is singing, but there's a punishment in the singing. Look at verse 3. This is the Lord is a man of war. Ooh, a Lord of a man of war. Preacher, I thought God is love. He is, but he's also a God of war. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Thou hath overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth the wrath that consumed them in stubble. The Lord again, the water of the sea upon them. The Lord brought again the water of the sea upon them. The horse and his rider hath he thrown to the sea. Many people do not like to hear about judgment. Sometimes people come to me and say, you believe in a God that would send somebody to hell? I said, no. God never sent anybody to hell. Our sin sends us to hell. God never sent anyone to hell. God so loved the world that he gave his, own, his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. No, dear friend, God provided a perfect sacrifice so we could have everlasting life. God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. We have a whosoever God, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No, dear friend. Yes, God's a God of judgment if you reject him. But God is God sent his son so you would accept him. There's a punishment in the singing. There's a preservation in the singing. Look at verse, verse 2. It says, He has become my salvation. In verse, verse, uh, verse 13, thou, But thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Verse 16, The people which thou hast purchased. There's a preservation, preservation in singing. It's a, it's a grace. <laughs> It's, it's found in, in Him. Again, it's not something that I do. It's something that God has done. It's something huh, He's done. He's paid the price. He's redeemed us. He's purchased us. And then there's a praise in the singing. Number six. In verse six. In verse eight. In verse 11. In verse 13. Others did hear and feared the Lord. Edom, Esau's descendants. Moab, Lot's descendants. Jethro heard in Exodus chapter 18, verse 10. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now that the Lord is greater than all the, the gods, for in, in, in the thing wherein thou dealt proudly, he was above them. Rahab heard. In Jericho, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9, she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that, you, and that your terror is fallen upon us, that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard now the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, and came out into Egypt, and did unto the two kings, the Amorites, who were on the other side of Jorah, and Shahan, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. The Gibeonites heard, Joshua chapter 9, verse 9, they said unto him, from a far, very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt. And the Philistines heard hundreds of years later, 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 8. Woe unto us who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods, these gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. You see, when you start praising God and living for God and getting filled by God... And asking God for things that only God can do. Then on Monday morning where you are, maybe you were at breakfast. Brother Eric Short shared a wonderful testimony of what God had done for him on the side of the road. He shared a wonderful testimony. What God had done for them. Brother Westone shared a testimony. How does these men share testimony? Because what God had done in their lives. 
Let me ask you, what testimony of the grace of God could you come up this morning and share with us? What bill has been paid? What answer to prayer was, was, has been that, that you shared with God? Maybe only God alone. You didn't put it on the prayer chain. What has God answered in the last 24 hours or the last week or the last month or the last year? You say, preacher, I don't know anything. Dear friend, something's wrong. Something wrong. If you say you're a Christian and you know, everybody knows, even heathens, you're supposed to pray to God, but you have, you have not one answer to prayer. Something is wrong. And dear friend, it's not God. It's not God. We have not because we ask not. Could it be you're just not asking? Could it be you're just not asking? Oh, the people, the inhabitants, no. You know what? People are pretty observant. They know what's going on, people at your work, people in church. They know what's going on oftentimes in your life. They see not just the words, but your demeanor, your, your language, your body language, and seeing if God is working in your life. God had given them a great victory, and Moab had known, and Edom had known, and the folks at Jericho had known, the Gibeonites and the Philistines, they all knew. And dear friend, God, people in the world know what's going on in your life. They know that is God a God of strength? Is God a God of of sanctity of holiness is god a god who's superior in your life is god really strong the guy that you talk about the guy that you go see every sunday morning wednesday night and sunday night is he really a strong god or is he a weak god is god really a holy god you talk about god but how about our lives are they a proper reflection of the holiness of god you talk about a god who's superior who's mighty, who's over all, who's king. But do we act like he's king? Or do we act like he's just another person who we talk to on a regular basis? Number seven, the prophecies in the singing. A lot of part of the psalm becomes prophetic. It says there in verse 14, we see the concern for the, of the nations. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold of the inhabitants of Philistina. And the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, and the mighty men of Moab, trembling, they shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. Oh, in Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9, I know that thou, hast, Lord, hath given you the land, and that your terror has fallen upon us, and the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you and came out of Egypt. The people had heard there's a prophecy coming. God and his people are coming. And dear friend, there's a kingdom that's coming. Brother Pete was talking about it this morning in Sunday school class. There's a better day coming for us. We should, we're going to sing in that day how wonderful it's going to be. We sing victory in Jesus. What a day that, that's going to be. We see these heaven songs, but these songs that we sing in faith will be sight. We will have a new earth. We will have a new land. We will have a new habitation in heaven. We will be a perfectly holy people, not just in practice, but permanently holy because we are like him. There's coming before them. 
We see the concern for the nations, the, the country of Israel. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain, thy inheritance, out of, the, out of the hand of the Egyptians. As I was walking through and driving through the land of Israel for two weeks nearly, I thought to myself, one of these days, this will be the land that God establishes himself. I was on the very plot where God, Jesus Christ, will be sitting someday, his throne. Oh, there's something else there right now. But dear friend, one day Jesus Christ is going to come and rule and reign on, in this earth for a thousand years. He's going to be there. He's going to be there and we're going to be there with him. We see the crown of Jehovah, verse 18, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. The kings, the Bible says in Psalm 2, set the earth, set the earth, uh, the kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord. But he sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. They shall break them with a rod of iron. They shall dash in pieces like a potter's vessel. All the day, the people in this earth, the, the presidents and the and the prime ministers are all trying to conspire and, and, and manipulate and make everything and, and juggle around hey, where we're going to be and what we're going to do. God just sits up and laughs. <laughs> all the things that you kings do, it's nothing. As I've said before, they think they're ahead three or four steps in, che in checkers. God's playing checkers. He's way ahead of everybody. I know how this thing began. I know how this thing is going to end. You do everything you want to do, but it's going to end, just like he says it's going to end in his book. I was there on Tell Megiddo as I showed the pictures. And Tell, again, is just a, another word for saying civilization after civilization and civilization. And as I looked out in that valley, the valley of Megiddo, and it's a wide valley, and above it, you see in the distance, other mountains were Barak and and Deborah fought, and where, and where Saul and, and Jonathan were killed, these other places of, of biblical history, I looked out in this vast valley, and I thought the greatest battle in the history of the world is going to be fought right here. And I'm going to be here because I, I know Jesus. And you're going to be there if you know Jesus. It's going to be there. What, is all that, what did all that do? Ultimately, it caused a prophetess to sing. Look at verse 20. Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her. The timbrels were with her, the, the dances. And Miriam answered, Sing ye unto the Lord, for ye have triumphed gloriously. Moses, in his song, in his praise to God, impacted Miriam to the place where she wanted to praise. What you do in your life with your lips... And your praise or your pouting impacts everybody around you. You can leave from this place and say, oh me, where are we going to go eat? Or we can go from this place and say, oh, what a wonderful God we serve. Oh, how wonderful God is. How great God is. How wonderful God is. How faithful God is. How merciful God is. How gracious God is. Oh, if we just get those things in our hearts and lives and our eyes are turned up, it will affect other people. But dear friend, you walk out of here and start pouting. Oh, preacher, he went kind of long today. Oh, preacher's kind of riled up today. Oh, man, preacher, I wish you'd preach on something besides that. You know, singing's kind of not my thing. You know, I'm kind of hungry. It's easy to get inward focused, isn't it? It's easy to get outward focused isn't it but where we need to get is upward 
focused. We sing that song around here. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It was Monday before I was getting ready to go on my trip from Greenville, Spartanburg to Newark, New Jersey to Tel Aviv, Israel. I got up in the morning. I was at my dad's house, downloaded the app for United, looked at my check-in time, got everything figured. wasn't long. My daughter texted me, when are we going to go eat breakfast, Dad? I'm like, well, I was thinking she was going to sleep in, but I guess not. Free breakfast on Dad today. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, I gotta, I gotta get up. I got, I, oh, I got, my dad wants a business and gravy from Hardy's first. Okay, that's, that's important. Business and gravy from dad first. Coffee, bring it back. Okay, where do you wanna go, daughter? I wanna do this. I, oh, I wanna go to, I gotta go to Walmart. I gotta get some things for school. Oh, yeah, now I get a few things for my trip. But I'm thinking about that time that I saw that, I, that app and that time that I saw it, and I keep thinking, okay, I gotta be there. And, and, and my daughter's getting all these things. She's getting registered for school, and, and I'm thinking to her, and I'm in the car, and I'm waiting for it, and I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for her, and I'm waiting for her. I'm saying, please, I didn't want to call her. But I, I was like, come on, come on. I got to get you. I want to get. To, I like to get places early. I like to get places early. And she finally came out. I said, okay, we got to go. We got to go. And we got there at the exact time that I thought I was supposed to be there. And I walked up to the lady. Had all my had a big old bag and two smaller bags. And I got up and said, I'm ready to go. And she said, Sir, where are you going? I said, I'm going to. I'm going to do it, New Jersey. She said, The doors are shut. You ain't going. I said, What? Three o'clock? She said boarding at 3 o'clock. I said, no, 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 no. This ain't happening. This ain't happening. No, no, no. Boarding at 3 o'clock. I said, no, you said boarding at 3 o'clock. You should be here at 1 o'clock. Oh, my soul. At that moment, something hit me like fear like I hadn't had in a long time. I thought to myself, I've just ruined my whole life here. I mean, just this, I felt my whole life was like over. I've been looking for this trip to Israel. I've been talking about going to Israel. I ain't going to Israel. So I began to beg the lady, hey, is there any way, is there any plane, is there somehow, some way I can get to, I got I to gotta be New New Jersey because the flight is leaving Tel Aviv at 11 o'clock. How can I get there? And she says, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. And, and she, I said, well, what else can I do? She said, well, go online and start talking to her, this lady. So I, 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 I'm having her check, and I'm talking, I'm on, I'm on my phone, and I'm texting this lady, can you get me to, uh, I, I'm supposed to be in, uh, would you help me? And, uh, and then I called this, the lady from the travel agent and said, I said, hey, uh, I'm stuck here, I can't get to, uh, can you help me? I'm talking to three people at the same time. Somehow, some way, can you get me to Newark, New Jersey? I don't care how, just get me there by 11 o'clock the night so I can go to Tel Aviv. Thought to my the lady said to me, Can you get to Charlotte, North Carolina by six o'clock? Charlotte, North Carolina is only an hour and a half away. I said, Yeah, I can get to Charlotte, North Carolina. And immediately I thought, Hertz, I'll go right down there, I'll get, a, I'll get a riddle from Hertz, and I'll go. But then, secondly, I remembered my sister. She works one exit up from the Greenville Spartanburg Airport. I thought to myself, I'll call my sister. And I did. And she answered the phone. And she said she's going to come get me and take me to Charlotte. And there's two seats left. If I get there in time, I'll get one of those two seats. And I called her, and she came. And she got me to Charlotte. But on the way to Charlotte, 
I had one of the best times I had with my sister in my entire life. A praising God and encouragement and wonder that I could not produce myself. Now, some people say, preacher, you that was just stupid. Yeah, it was stupid on my part. Or I could think God is sovereign in all things. And even our foolish mistakes, he uses it for my good, but more importantly, for his glory. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that we can sing. We can sing. We can sing. Maybe in your life there's not been a whole lot to sing about. Maybe it's a life right now, if you're totally honest, a life of problems. and It's easy to focus on just issues, finances, politics, personal problems. Maybe you're struggling with something this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. I don't know everyone that's here. God does. Maybe there's been, never been a time in your life where you recognize the fact that you're a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 